Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, several years ago, uh, Patty and I went on a vacation to the San Francisco area where there are a lot of great things to see and do. Uh, one of which uh, was an evening that we spent at a place called the Top of the Mark, uh, which as some of you may know, is a very old and a very famous restaurant and lounge located on the 19th floor, which is the top floor of the Mark Hopkins Hotel. And there's the name, the Top of the Mark, which is also located in a place called Knob Hill, which is already the highest point in the city. And, and so from the Top of the Mark, you can get these panoramic vistas, beautiful uh, views of the San Francisco area, including Chinatown and uh, Grace Cathedral and its roof in the shape of a cross uh, just a block away. There's San Francisco Bay, there's the Golden Gate Bridge and many uh, other places. And uh, on the night that we were there, the atmosphere was fabulous. The dance floor was full. The conversations uh, were loud as the city sparkled beneath our feet. And it was just a great place uh, to be. But during our evening at the top of the mark, we also learned that during World War II, when San Francisco was a major point of embarkation uh, for troops who were going off to the Pacific Theater, including my own father, that servicemen would go to the top of the mark on the night before they shipped out. And they would have a farewell meal or a drink, and they would look out the window and watch the sunset over San Francisco Bay, after which they went back down and they went to war. And we learned that when they shipped out, the wives and the girlfriends would go to the top of the mark. They would gather in a corner and they would look out the window and they would cry as they watched the ships sail out below the Golden Gate Bridge, knowing where their loved ones were going. So that to this very day, the northwest corner of the top of the mark is known as Weeper's Corner. And so for some people, the top of the mark is a place to celebrate life and uh, savor the view of this glorious world, while other people have had a very different point of view, looking down on a world in conflict, broken by sin knowing that they would have to go back there to work and serve and fight for peace. And so with that image in mind, we come to the end of the season known as Epiphany, which means appearance or, or manifestation, and began several weeks ago uh, with the birth of Jesus in the little town of Bethlehem in a stable, which Martin Luther referred to as a pinpoint of light on a darkened stage. And it culminates today on the top of a mountain where the light is so powerful and so brilliant that St. Luke refers to it as dazzling, where Peter and James and John see Jesus in a whole new, brilliant, glorified, glorious way. And in between that starry night in Bethlehem and that brilliant, dazzling transfiguration day on the mountaintop where his baptism in the Jordan River the miracle at Cana, the call of the fishermen, the sermon on the plain, and other moments during which the brilliance of the light of his presence in this world grew and grew in its intensity, much like the light in our kitchen at home, which I turned on in the darkness just this morning. And thanks to a dimmer switch on the wall, it starts out as low as candlelight, and it becomes bright enough to thread a needle 
So go home and play with the light switches in your house and celebrate the transfiguration. Because for Peter, I mean, it was really good to be up there on that mountaintop where Jesus had taken him and James and John for a time of prayer. And where they saw him in his glory, kind of like a little sneak preview of Easter. And they captured visions of Moses and uh, Elijah, who most interpreters identify as representatives of the law and the prophets of the Old Testament, which Jesus came uh, to fulfill. In fact, uh, you know, for all the times I've read this passage, it never occurred to me that if Moses was there, that would have been his very first visit to the Holy Land because he didn't make it in the first time. But uh, that, of course, is another sermon, as I like to say. Not to mention the fact that mountaintops have uh, often been places where people have connected with God in very powerful and special ways. For Moses, obviously, that was Mount Sinai. For Abraham, it was Mount Moriah. For Elijah, it was Mount Carmel. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. And the children of Israel would chant that psalm as they climbed up toward Jerusalem and made their way to meet and worship God at the Temple Mount. Isaiah refers to heaven as a mountain where God will prepare a feast of rich food for all people. And while, you know, it wasn't exactly a mountaintop, I too could relate one day just last fall, right here at St. Andrew, when they were getting ready to paint the cross outside at the top of the tower behind us, and I hopped onto the boom lift that carried me and the painter all the way up those 86 feet until I found myself standing right in front of that cross, looking down on the shape of this church roof and out where I could see Olney and I could see Rockville and Bethesda and all kinds of other places far out in the distance. And then when there was a jolt in the machine and the, and the cage began to sway back and forth, I also entered into a time of prayer. How is that? Something along the lines of, get me down off of this thing. But Peter didn't want to get down off of this thing. He wanted to stay there and savor the moment. In fact, he even offered to build these three dwellings or tabernacles for Jesus and Moses and Elijah to commemorate the event, which sounds a little bit weird when you think about it, but it is what pious Jews would do whenever they went out and celebrated uh, the annual Feast of Tabernacles and remembered what it was like to live and journey through the wilderness and live in temporary shelters, all of which is to say that to this very day, we still refer to our spiritual highs as mountaintop experiences. But Jesus had a different point of view. As the light show ends and a cloud comes and overshadows them as also often happens in San Francisco. And the disciples are also jolted by the voice of the Father redirecting them to his son Jesus and telling them to listen to him and not to Peter's plans or agenda or a desire to savor the moment so that having had that very brief, very powerful experience witnessing the light of God in the face of Christ. Peter goes with the vision. And he follows Jesus 
back to the world on which he was focused, where there was a war to be fought against my sin, against death, against old laws that create fear and shame in the hearts of people and rob us of the, of the freedom and peace that he came to bring to you and to me. And so today as we uh, stand spiritually on that mountaintop with the help of Luke chapter 9 and we get ready to follow in the footsteps of Jesus beginning on Ash Wednesday and all the way to Holy Week, I have just a couple of thoughts to share with you in the context of this mysterious passage with the hope that maybe you'll take them with you from this place here today. And one is that mountaintop experiences are still important for the followers of Jesus. Whether for you that takes on the form of some sort of a spiritual retreat or maybe a pilgrimage to the Holy Land or some other place, or you know, maybe it's, it's a moment when you can think back uh, on a time when you were keenly, acutely aware of the presence of God in your life or in some moment or milestone. And I've had a lot of these, and quite frankly, a lot of my mountaintop experiences are connected to your mountaintop experiences as I think about, you know, the baptisms and the, and the confirmations and the communions and the weddings and the other things for which, you know, we give thanks together in the family of God. It's been years, but, you know, I still think back on the day this house was dedicated and you know, how when the evening finally came, you know, I was pretty tired. But on the other hand, I just didn't want it to end. And I think today about how this congregation is voting to extend a call to Concordia Seminary to a new pastor. And I do mean a new pastor, not just new to us. You know, with a prayer that one of those two named will hear his name called in the middle of a worship service on the evening of May 1st, after which he will hear the words, the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew, Silver Spring, Maryland. And that will be a defining moment. It will set a trajectory for his whole life as a minister and follower and servant of Jesus. This summer in July, we'll be sending out 34 members of our high school youth ministry to our denomination's national youth gathering, which is why we're having a pie auction today, because it costs a lot of money to do that. But where they will join tens of thousands of Lutheran teenagers from all over the country to celebrate their Christian faith together. The largest single gathering of the second largest Lutheran denomination in America is a gathering of teenagers. Is that cool or what? And for some of them, you know, they will not have an experience like that again. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, a mountaintop experience does not have to cost you a lot of money, and it does not have to include a trip to the Holy Land. Mountaintop experience for me is often a trip to Holy Communion. Or it might be a journey into Holy Scripture. Or it might be for you a time of prayer, apart from all the noise of your life, when you talk to him and you listen to him as he talks back to you in his words of eternal life. It doesn't have to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. In fact, you know, I will tell you, you know, I was on a high for much of last week after leaving 
St. Andrew last Sunday, listening to glorious music that drew me into the heart of God, celebrating three baptisms, a dozen first communions, watching hundreds of people bring thousands of pounds of food for the hungry here in, in Montgomery County, and then coming in here to experience and to receive the most important food in this world for the strengthening of our faith and of our bond of love in Christ. And I will tell you, by the time I rolled down the driveway toward Norwood Road in the afternoon, Peter's words were my words. Lord, it is so good to be here. And this just never gets old. But the second thing that I would tell you is that while mountaintop experiences are still important to the followers of Jesus, mountaintop experiences are never the end of your story. In fact, most of the time, it's the other way around. And so I would suggest to you that the next time you have one, or you think back on a time when you've already had one, that you don't waste too much time before you ask yourself, not, you know, how do I extend? How do I prolong this moment? Why can't it last a little bit longer? Ask yourself the question, where am I going to go with this now? Where's God want me to go? Where's God want my church to go to reflect the glory of Jesus in a world that's at war with itself, where people are warring on the inside? What could happen if I look at everybody and everything in this world through the lens of his grace and truth and light in my life? If you do that by the grace of God, you know, I promise you, things are going to start to change in your life and they're going to start to change in the world around you as well. Because, you know, when you think about it, Jesus was just as much the son of God when he was on his way up that mountain as he was when he was on his way down. So at the end of the day, in the spirit of our second lesson today, maybe we're the ones who are supposed to be transfigured, changed by the glory of the one who helps us to look at life with a different point of view, to see the road to greatness as a pathway of service, to understand the true love involves willful sacrifice and not just personal pleasure. And to know above all that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you see some great big sinner, he looks at you from a different point of view. He looks at you from a cross and he sees a beautiful, precious child of There's one other piece of history uh, that I haven't shared with you. And it happened when the troops who went out to the Pacific Theater returned. And they arrived back in San Francisco. Guess where many of them went on their arrival? They went to the highest place in the city. They went to the top of the mark to celebrate the end of the war. In a place where there was no more weeping and where life was celebrated and the view was savored once again, how much better and greater and more beautiful 
Will it be on that day when the one who fought and won the battle for your soul welcomes you to the mountain that Isaiah talks about where there's no weeping and just a feast of victory? And until that day gives you and me these beautiful, wonderful glimpses of His glory so that we can go with the vision and follow Him and remember and join our words with the words of St. Peter and say, you know, it is so good to be here. It is so good to follow you from the mountaintop back to Jerusalem, to the valley, to the cross, and on to the glory and the joy of another Easter day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.